Father's Day weekend. If you are a dad, happy Father's Day. My name is Bo Matthews, and yes, another holiday is going to drift on by. We've gone by Memorial Day, Mother's Day, uh, Easter. The, the, the holidays keep going by as we continue to deal with the coronavirus. And just this past week, we've had some spikes in some major cities, so still a lot of unknown out there. But uh, happy Father's Day. Trying to stay positive here. My dad actually is in Jersey and at 76 years old, he decided this week uh, not to go fishing, not to relax. No, he's building a patio, a deck, all by himself, like post hole digger, digging it by himself, cutting the lumber. Matter of fact, I was on the phone with him the other night, and I hear, and I was like, Dad, what are you doing? What is that noise? He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting a piece of, of lumber. I said, do you not have a circular saw? Because I could have got him a circular saw for, for Father's Day. He goes, oh, yeah, I've got two or three of them in the garage. I said, why are you handsawing it? Uh, he says, it's not that much. I'm thinking, wow, this guy's a beast at 76 years old building his own patio. Well, he even had time this past week to stop and send me a gift because just recently, my wife and I went with our neighbors to go up to Costco. Hadn't been to Costco in years because we you know, let our membership expire or whatever. We haven't been to Sam's in a long time. Let our membership expire. But we had went, and I had shared that with them, that we went to Costco and had a great experience. And, wow, the coffee's really cheap. They've got clothing. They've got, you know, great produce and stuff. And we, I was sharing with them that we really enjoyed our visit to Costco. And lo and behold, my Father's Day gift arrives early this week. And he went to his Costco in New Jersey and bought me a, a free membership. Well, not free, but a, a membership for my wife and I to use here. So I got my Father's Day gift uh, a little early. I thought that was really sweet in and amongst all of his deck building going on. You know, uh, if you are listening to KMOX on the radio, I encourage you to download the radio.com app to your device. It's free uh, wherever you buy your apps. And it's really convenient because you can take KMOX with you, whether you're going for a walk or you're going to work out, uh, or maybe you're in your house. You just say, Alexa, turn on KMOX. You're going to love that. It's so convenient, and it's crystal clear, digital sound, and free for any device. Just go to the App Store or the Google Play Store and download it today. Now, as I say that, I want to share with you a headline that I saw that caught my attention, and I agree with this. The majority of American families in desperate need of digital detox. Boy, ain't that the truth. Have you checked your screen time lately? I mean, with people staying closer to home, for the most part, I mean, I know we're opening up and we're getting busy, but we get in these habits with these rectangle boxes we carry around with us all the time. The story says three-quarters of American families are in need of a digital detox after self-isolation. And honestly, I'm guilty of it, too. I, I spend so much time on this phone checking Facebook, Instagram, texting with my wife, even though she's in the same room. It's just simply what I call a time suck. Uh, there's so much there's so much there, and we're missing so much. Go outside, go for a walk, you know, listen listen to the birds and listen to the wind, or sit down and play a board game with your family, or you know what? You can go camping. Camping at a, at a park would be great. Camping in your own backyard, that's fun too. Reading books, what a concept. Matter of fact, coming up on the program, we have an author. His name is Brian Walsh. And his book is called Beyond the Mask, and ironically, it has nothing to do with the masks we're all wearing, uh, you know, during this uh, this crazy time with the pandemic going around. Uh, so we'll talk to him in the second hour. And speaking of books, I, I love to read. I've got a couple of books going right now. Uh, the old George Orwell book, 1984. This is my second time through that, and I'm almost to the end of that. And John O'Leary's book, uh, In Awe, is fantastic. It's so inspiring. So if you love a good book, 
There's a couple right there. Plus, you might want to pick up Beyond the Mask from Brian Walsh after we uh, talk to him coming up in the second hour. There's all kinds of things that we can do to occupy our time. But, you know, putting the focus on family and friends is just so important. Matter of fact, we were having uh, dinner on a patio at a restaurant in uh, South County the other night. And it's my wife and I, and we're sitting there talking and just enjoying the evening. Food was great. And I see this uh, family of four, mom and dad, two kids come in. And they put their order in and they sat down on the patio area where we were eating. And immediately when everybody sits down, they all grab their phones individually and just start looking at it. No talking at all. No talking amongst each other. They're just sitting there waiting for their food. I thought, wow, where have we come? Oh boy. It's crazy stuff. Uh, Another headline. I'm kind of excited about this. Uh, If you are a, a Ford Bronco fan, I, I had a Ford Bronco 2 when I was uh, much younger, back in the 80s. Uh, it was a Bronco 2, which was the smaller version. Well, there is a new Bronco SUV coming out, and ironically, it is going to be debuted on O.J. Simpson's birthday. They say at Ford that it is pure coincidence, July 9th is, uh, is O.J. Simpson's birthday, and that's the day they happen to pick by accident. Ford is coming back with the, the, the brand and the badge of the Bronco. If you were a fan of that back in the day, it's coming back. I think it ended in like 96. They quit making them. Well, it's coming back, of course, with new technology, advanced driver assistance, things, uh, electronic stability control, uh, collision warnings, Bluetooth, I'm sure. Not a problem. But uh, looking forward to that. But isn't that weird that uh, they're going to debut it on O.J. Simpson's birthday? And he made that uh, vehicle so popular. Well, not popular, but 95 million people watched him being chased in that slow roll uh, through L.A. If you remember back back in the day, 94. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, our special guest is a special agent in charge at the USDEA St. Louis Division. His name is Bill Callahan. As soon as I saw that name, I thought, like, Dirty Harry? Harry Callahan? Remember that guy? I do. Uh, He's coming up next with uh, some great information for everybody to hear. Next in the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. You know, as we continue with our social distancing, our isolation, you know, there's things that uh, build anxiety, uh, add stress during these unprecedented times. And the unknown is still out there. We, we still have no idea how we are, uh, you know, going to you know, see this country in three months or six months. But I want to, uh, I want to introduce you to uh, my special guest this afternoon who reached out to me via LinkedIn. And I love that platform because otherwise I would have never come in contact with a special agent in charge of the United States DEA, St. Louis Division uh, for Missouri, uh, Kansas, and Southern Illinois. Bill, welcome to the program. Bill Callahan, uh, I, I do appreciate you reaching out to me on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you sent me a link to With You St. Louis and this is so important because so many people have been going through so many things, even myself. I've, I just was talking to a friend earlier, you know, anxiety, depression. I'm having nightmares and dreams about things, what tomorrow's going to look like. But there is a whole nother level to those that are addicted to opioids or are part of opioid adu- uh, uh, abuse. And you guys have really done a lot of the heavy lifting to try and aggregate all these great resources into one location. So if you could explain what what, With You St. Louis is all about. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Bo. Sure. Well, it's it's withustl.com. That's uh, just one word, withustl.com. 
And uh, just to give you a little perspective behind that, uh, during the early days of the pandemic, uh, we knew we had uh, basically a couple issues to deal with here at DEA. And one that was, of course, how are we going to do our enforcement uh, and getting drugs uh, off the streets of, of St. Louis, interdicting drugs before they get here. And then the other was, how is this going to affect the, um, the, the community, the user community, those in recovery? Uh, we had that question. Uh, the DEA St. Louis Division for the past few years has been actively involved in uh, prevention education. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've partnered up with a number of um, community uh, groups, uh, treatment centers, other people in prevention, families that have lost uh, somebody due to the opioid crisis. And we started to hold uh, weekly calls. So we at DEA, we organized uh, weekly telephone and Zoom calls with our partners in prevention and education and health care. And uh, quickly realized that, um, you know, due to the COVID, nobody was out there doing prevention. We couldn't really get out there and do any face-to-face. The treatment had changed from face-to-face to to either phone calls or telemedicine. And as we uh, explored more and, and heard from more people, it was a matter of, you know, learning that uh, folks out there didn't know where to turn, didn't right. know where to turn for resources. And uh, it was with that, we uh, we proposed this idea of, of basically a one-stop shop, bring in as many resources as we can, um, you who know, could provide treatment, provide prevention. And then we kind of expanded it into the mental health arena, uh, expanded it into uh, gun safety, gun locks, I believe we, we have a link on there, and even a link to uh, area food banks, uh, another uh, resource that, that people we found needed during this time. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, one uh, my cousin who lives in Minnesota, he has been uh, sober for, tw- I think he just received his 25-year chip, and we, we've been frequently talking about every week, and, and it came up in conversation. I said, you know, how are you doing your AA meetings? And he goes, we're not. We, do, we can't congregate. We can't get together because of the, uh, the you know, stay-at-home orders. So that was a challenge. And then they started to do some Zoom calls and things like that. So there is a true need out there. And, of course, with technology, we can make great headway. But this is really nice how you brought all this stuff together uh, because it's true. Anybody can be affected by addiction. An elderly person in my family uh, uh, had a surgery and then you know took some very hard drugs for the pain well, next thing you know, she's having to go into a treatment center. So explain to me uh, just the first link on your withustl.com. Anybody can be affected. Uh, that, that's so true. And and uh, what I've really found here is probably two ways. I know there are many ways that people find themselves into this uh, abyss of, of addiction, of into opioid addiction. Um, and one of those ways is what you just explained, or you just stated, was it was through having some surgery, uh, yeah. getting these painkillers, and getting hooked on them, and and basically that to me comes down to uh, pain management, right? It's something we need to talk about. Pain management, we need to talk about it before the surgery. Uh, somebody goes into surgery, we've we've all probably been there, uh, and it's it's what we are going to prepare ourselves for when we come out of the surgery. Uh, I, I like to go out when I'm able to go out on the road and tell a story about um, being in a hospital room about a year or so ago with my father who had some surgery, um, sitting there one evening with him as, as he's watching TV and we're talking and looking over to that board, you know, the board that everybody knows that has the doctor's name and the nurse's name, sure. and what you're allergic to. And, um, 
right smack in the middle of that board is a bunch of emojis uh, from left to right, basically from very upset face, you know, the sad face to very happy and, and everything in between. And I kind of looked at them and I, and I said, and it hit me at that point. And I said, this is the problem. This is the problem right here, dad. They want you all the way to the right, all the way happy. Well, you're not going to be all the way happy, it, not in pain, because you just got cut open. Right. And we're not going to take all these pills that they're going to they're going to want to give to you. You're going to have to be somewhere in the middle for a couple of days. So uh, it, it really uh, sunk in at that moment. Boy, that hit and home quick. Huh? Really, yeah, really good people. I mean, these are good people, right? right. Like you said, your relative of yours, and they're coming out. They're being prescribed pills. Um, you know, get out of the pain as quickly as possible. And uh, as part of my, uh, you know, what I say, like when we were kids, uh, we got to suck it up a little bit. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, you know, and it may, but we've all we've also been to the point where it's like, well, OK, it says to take one every four to six hours. But if one, you know, is not going to do the job, well, I may as well try and do two. So self-dosing is also a problem that gets people into trouble, don't you think? Absolutely. And that and that's what happens. And a way into this problem was that patient that would come back with a 30, who was given a 30-day supply and comes back to the doctor in 15 days and said, you know, I need another 30-day supply. Wow. And and now their brain is telling them they need this this drug here. Um, opioid addiction is, you know, when you, when you get that, you, you have this feeling of, of being sick. Your brain is telling you you need these drugs and um you know, until the point where the doctor is saying no to you, yeah. and now you're going out on the street and trying to find it. And again, what's on the street, the the levels of uh, the, the drug fentanyl is what we, we see on the street. And the counterfeit stuff killer. too, right? The counterfeit stuff is dangerous. Uh, absolutely. And, and uh, that's a crisis amongst itself we're seeing around here in the Midwest uh, is, is counterfeit pills. We regularly seize those. Uh, they do a good job at making them look like the real thing. But unlike the real thing, which is uh, precisely measured, uh, the counterfeit pill can contain, you know, what I like to say is zero to a hundred. It it could be nothing and it could be all fentanyl. And and that's what people don't realize. So uh, we do like to say, or again, when I'm out there talking to people, uh, I do like to remind people: if uh, your doctor didn't prescribe it, your pharmacist, your pharmacist didn't fill it, don't take it. Yeah, we're talking with special agent in charge at United States uh, DEA, St. Louis Division, and that covers a big area. Bill Callahan, uh, Bill, how did you get on this trajectory uh, with the DEA and 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 getting down this path to to help people out? You know. Uh, you're talking about long time ago, I guess, when I, uh, you know, wanted to get into this field of, of law enforcement, which is which is a great field. There's uh, great people around it, and uh, there's a lot of support out there for us in law enforcement. I, I found an area that I wanted to get into was was drug enforcement because I saw what what drugs did to to people. I see what it does to our communities. Right. Um, you know, and the, the devastation it has on, on people and families, and if stayed with it since the website is called with you it'll take you to a website called with you 
and his name is Bill Callahan. Bill, if you wouldn't mind hanging on just for a moment, we'll take a quick break. I want to come back, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of talks we have to have with our younger people, and you have a resource on your website that can help parents or you know people raising kids on helping them talk to them about drugs. So I'd like to talk to you about that in just a moment, if that's good. That's great. Okay, stay right there. We'll be back with more from Bill Callahan and the DEA on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. All right, we're back with Bill Callahan from the DEA. He is the special agent in charge, and he's got a great website that uh, he's uh, put together with a bunch of great people. It's called withustl.com. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of responsibility uh, for our younger people, whether they're your kids or your grandkids uh, or your adopted kids or foster kids. You know, we have to have the big talks, you know, the talk. And I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, the talk about, you know, the sex talk. But there's also a major, major need for talking to those kids about drugs because our responsibility is to train these children, to raise these children, to be law-abiding citizens. And talking to kids about substance uh, misuse or abuse is very difficult. So, Bill, if you wouldn't mind, uh, kind of explain how TalkAboutItMO.com came about. Sure. Well, this is something that uh, we've been involved with, uh, the DEA was involved with, uh, working with NCADA and some other organizations out there, the Talk About It Mo campaign here. Uh, basically, when you go to our homepage, when you go to our first page, you can click right onto it and go to the uh, Talk About It. Basically, I think the first thing we have to realize uh, is two things. One, it's okay not to be okay. And that's the first thing we gotta we gotta impress upon. That's our, a good point. Yeah. And our users, right? That I think that's the, the the first thing that we need to do. And the second thing, I think that leads us to ending the stigma. We need to end the stigma of of, of substance use disorder and drug addiction. So you go to this website, and basically you can find talking kits. And you can find kits for different ages, um, so you can start this young to teens, and and uh, talk to them about the dangers of opioid misuse. And this page, this website was put together uh, by a group of obviously people that were motivated to help young people. Uh, just off the top of your head, what what's what's uh, the age that you begin at? Do you start at three or four, or do you you know like? When you're trying to train the kids, you know, don't get in a stranger's car, you know, that kind of stuff. Don't talk to strangers. Uh, at what age is too early or, or, or about the right time you should start? Well, I mean, these are constant conversations that I think we need to have when kids are young. Kids today uh, are seeing uh, relatives, they're seeing neighbors and friends, they're seeing overdoses, they're hearing about that. Wow. So, um, you know, the kindergarten to second grade may be a time to start talking to them. But again, on this website, it's a talking kit. So the conversation that you're going to have with the teenager is obviously going to be different from the conversation you'd want to have with your second grader and and the talking kit here would kind of lead you to some examples of what to talk about when the uh, when the words war on drugs comes to mind it's been around for decades now and we're still in this horrible situation because there's obviously more available more availability um uh, how do you do you see th- uh, instruments like this with ustl.com do you see these making big strides in the war on drugs, or maybe the, maybe the term should be called war on drug use. Yeah, well, Bo, I have uh, I've come to uh, basically reject that term, war on drugs. Mm-hmm. Okay, when I'm out there uh, meeting with families, meeting with communities, um, 
mothers, fathers, uh, children who've lost somebody. It's it's a battle. It's a, it's a daily battle that these folks are in, these families are in. Um, it's a, it's a battle with each drug trafficker that tries to bring nar- illegal narcotics into the St. Louis area. Uh, so I, I look at it as you know we we've got many battles here to fight. Uh, the DEA is going to be in that battle if it's with the family that's uh, struggling with a loved one. Uh, we're going to be in that battle if it's a uh, foreign cartel that's. Uh, um, shipping uh, illegal drugs into the St. Louis area. Wow. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be in that. We're gonna be in that with our our partners, our partners with the uh, from the St. Louis Metropolitan Police, the County Police, the St. Louis County, our area local municipalities, as well as uh, these families and these treatment and prevention providers. So um, I've kind of you know I said rejected this term uh, of this war on drugs because I'm not sure what that is anymore. But yeah, I know no kidding. because I see it. Uh, you see it. We we probably you know all have friends. Uh, they're in a battle every day. And if this website can lead you to a resource, lead you to someone to talk to, even if you have lost somebody, there are a number of um, parents, I like to say, groups that are on here too that can provide support and, and help turn that loss into action. Yeah, we're talking to Bill Callahan. Uh, he is. Uh He's a special guy that reached out to me on uh, on on Instagram. He's the special agent in charge of the uh, USDEA here in St. Louis, the St. Louis Division. And uh, you know, I, I I would like to talk to you about the people that are listening to this program right now that are thinking, you know, my uncle or my kid or something. They have somebody in mind, or maybe my coworker. Everybody, this is unprecedented time. So everybody's in a different situation because we're all, you know, we're. I know I understand the country's trying to open up again, but there's so many emotions we've all gone through during this time, and they're looking for an outlet. We hear headlines of alcohol uh, consumption increase and all this stuff. The the most important part for anybody listening right now is truly that you have the resources aggregated in one spot that can help for several different areas. And one one area that I would like to talk about is the uh, Securing Your Meds website. Uh, this is really important because I've always said it, you know, when the kids go visit grandma, uh, you know, when we could go visit grandma at Christmas time, you need, and I even put a warning out, make sure that grandma's medications are secured and locked up because everybody's going to be eating the, the turkey and the dressing and everybody's going to be using that restroom and there's that medicine cabinet and people get nosy. No, that, that's actually a great point. Uh, the DEA for, boy, I don't know, at least over the past 10, 11 years, maybe even longer, uh, we've uh, been sponsoring twice a year what we call our National Prescription Take Back, where we partner with, uh, every, partner with law enforcement, community groups, churches, and we set up uh, locations where you can bring your meds, no question. Oh, yeah, I've heard of this. Abuse. Yep, I've heard of that. Right. So th- that's our, our prescription take back, bring it, we safely destroy it. Uh, many people don't realize that when you take that old bottle and you flush it down the toilet, that, those pills are going to make it to our water stream. So we, we don't want that, right? They're going to make it into our rivers and, and water stream. So we, we do twice a year have these take backs. And some depart- police departments and some pharmacies out there have uh, take back locations constantly. Sure. Uh, but at least it's, it's, a, it's a program that we've been doing, an educational program where people remember we build it up. And we had, uh, well, unfortunately, we had such a great plan for the St. Louis community <laughs> this past uh, this this past spring uh, was our, our scheduled take back in April. We had actually partnered up with the St. Louis County Library and was really going to put together a great presentation. Um, but unfortunately, due to COVID, uh, everything had to be uh, canceled. 
So what we wanted to do was get that message out there. You know, hey, we didn't have it in, in uh, April. Please secure those. Like you said, lock them up. Get them out of the medicine cabinet. You have kids coming over. Because um, these medicines, these meds, these prescription pills, they wind up on the street. They wind up at these things called pill parties where kids bring pills, they put it into a bowl, and then they, they try it. I, yeah, uh, I heard a, a, a story within uh, within my family circle that uh, one of my, well, I'll say it, one of my nephews took a, uh, a cat tranquilizer pill and had to go to the hospital. I'm like, what the heck was he taking a cat tranquilizer for? My gosh. So people that, that do take pills, they really don't care what's in the pill. They just want to take a pill. It's just the craziest thing in my head. And I'm, I'm so thankful that I'm not addicted to pills, but it, 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 it you just called it out. It's a pill party that they bring, they bring what you can and see what happens. It, it just seems right. so reckless and so sad. Uh, and, and, and that is, and so, so we, we did a campaign. We're out there, you know, just making sure people are aware, Hey, lock them up. Uh, we hope, uh, got my fingers crossed that come this October, it's usually the last Saturday of October yeah. is when, uh, we will have our next national take back day prescription, take back day. And, uh, hopefully again, you'll help us get that word out when that rolls around. I'd be glad to do that with you. STL.com is where you want to go to. And there's a lot of great resources on there, even uh, concerning mental health challenges for uh, youth and families, um, during uh, not only during these crazy times, but you know, anytime, this is going to be a great place. Now, before I let you go, I, I would just like to ask because you know, big pharma is such a huge billion-dollar, trillion-dollar industry. Are you getting support by some of these companies that you know produce these hopefully life-saving medications? Are, are you getting some help or some guidance on what to do? Um, or support at least, you know, because they are, you know, that's where the sources are coming from in a lot of cases. Yeah, well, we have uh, another side of the house, I like to say, DEA, which is our diversion side, uh, our diversion. So DEA uh, oversees and regulates the flow, the supply chain flow of, of these medicines. And our uh, national um, headquarters uh, folks there, along with it, we have a diversion program manager, uh, work hand-in-hand uh, hand with um, everybody in that supply chain, from the suppliers to the distributors. Okay, great. Okay, well... Special agent in charge at the U.S. DEA administration in St. Louis, uh, in the St. Louis division, Bill Callahan. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for reaching out to me on LinkedIn to get the word out. And I want to encourage people to share this podcast. If you're listening on the podcast, share this link to anybody that you know of that could be affected or you might suspect is affected because they could benefit greatly by what they've done by putting together with you stl.com. Bill, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, coming up next on the Bo Matthews Show, a visit with a former colleague and a longtime friend of mine, a face that you know, a name that you know from News Channel 5, Monica Adams is our guest next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX, and, you know, several months ago, I uh, reached out to a colleague of mine that was making a big move. And, uh, and it's going well. It's about six months in since Monica Adams uh, moved on over to uh, 5 on your side, Channel 5. And I uh, just wanted to check in with her and see how she was doing. And, uh, Monica, welcome back to KMOX. How are you? I'm good, Bo. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm doing good, but I'm a little sad because I go to KSDK.com to find your profile page. You are the first person. You're the first team member on that whole team 
on the whole list of people that have been there for years and decades. And but no, Monica Adams is first. And so I thought to myself, because it's Adams. Yeah, I know. But but here's the problem. So I go to kmox.com to look at where I'm placed if I'm even on the website, which I don't know. Uh, where are you? I'm number two. But oh, it's because of me. Yeah, they, they see, and I don't even understand that. With my iPhone, it sorts music by the first letter of the first name. I'm like, who who alphabetizes this stuff? But anyway, so just oh, for the record, I shouldn't be first on five's pages. With the, it should be go by M then. No, no, I'm really lucky. Five is doing it right, I believe. <laughs> so, so you're number one. I'm number two. Uh, take that any way you want. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and and number two to so many other people anyway um how are you liking it it's been six months now over at channel five how's things doing how's things going for you you know yes it's, it's crazy you and i had talked when i just started over there yeah. and i told you back then that there you know you had asked my gosh monica you were you know with channel two for 15 years what made you move and I kept telling you it was all for opportunities. And I mean, it's like a whirlwind, though. I would have never have guessed that all the things that I wanted to do for so many years and all the things I told them that I wanted to do when I started have all come true. And they've all happened for me so quickly. A lot of it kind of we were forced into it right. because of the pandemic. We all went home and everybody was, you know, what the heck are we going to do? We're all at home. How are we going to, from a healthy standpoint, how are we going to stay healthy? How are we going to work out? And so what I wanted to do, you know, I love fitness and have been a trainer for 21 years. I was thrown quickly into the Monica's motivational moments, and it's become so popular, and the viewers are loving it. And for three months, being at home, I've been doing fitness and motivational segments to keep people on point. I think that's and fantastic. I love that. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and even your profile picture that's on your page, you know, again, number one person on the team listed, I believe, I'm looking very closely, I believe they they photoshopped your uh, muscles to be a little bit, uh, a little bit smaller because uh, I'm telling you, she's got some guns. Um, no. I, I, you, don't, you guys don't understand. I will get text messages from Bo that says, guns out, guns out. <laughs> <laughs> when you wear your sleeveless uh, dresses, no, you know what? No, I, you, you know you're. You know, a lot of people jump on the health bandwagon for you know a month or two or something like that. How many years have you been doing this? Well, I was an athlete growing up, but I got into personal training when I was oh twenty three, I guess, and then really full-blown for the last 22 years, 21, 22 years. And I learned something something new from you every time we talk. Um, You had uh, like an emergency when you were a teenager. Um, Mm -hmm. What what was that about? I I never even knew this story. Really? All the years we worked together? I knew John John Brown had had a a health issue, you know, being a healthy guy Mm -hmm. and running and had a heart attack Mm -hmm. or whatever the case was. But your situation was a, a blood clot or something. What was that? Yeah, I was playing soccer in college and I was at Mizzou and I had a massive blood clot that brought me back home wow. and I was in intensive care for a couple of weeks and then a regular room. And then I was actually, the only reason why I went into broadcasting. I was monitored for two years in St. Louis. I yeah. couldn't go back to Mizzou and I took all my electives here and happened to take broadcasting for the heck of it. And Thank so my God. career path changed. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so- well, but everything that I was studying because people are always like, oh, do you miss? I was studying sports medicine, and I really wanted to go and be an orthopedic surgeon. But I use all of my studies from, you know, from the physical, personal training, the sports medicine side, my personal training. So it definitely benefited me. Um, but I always leave it to the to the man above. You know, whatever you believe in, 
uh, God to me really took me into the path that I belonged in. Good for you. And I'm able to do both. But yeah, I mean, I haven't looked into it though for the longest time though. I was told it was the largest blood clot in medical history. I, unbelievable. And, and your doctors even referred to you as a miracle patient is what your bio says. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, how did I, how did I miss this? I, I, I just don't yeah, know. I don't talk about it. I don't know. It just comes up. Sometimes. Well, I just brought it up. Dang it. Um, <laughs> so, so channel five's treating you well, hanging around some legendary oh, people, right? Um, and you are oh, you are okay. carving your path. Tell me about uh, tell me about some exciting things that are going on uh, for you in the near future for those that are uh, watching Channel Five. Well, yeah, I mean, you and I had talked back in January about how one of the biggest reasons I went over was that they were going to give me the opportunity to do the fitness stuff, but that I also always wanted to anchor. I mean, you knew me as doing news back at Lyell, right? So I had my news and sports background. And they said, well, absolutely, we want you to anchor. So I have done a lot of fill-in anchors. I've seen and it. now I officially can tell you on your show that I am. you can now officially call me anchor as of the 29th of this month because Rennie, Nott, and, and I, we will be anchoring the 4.30 a.m. news together. Hold, so that hold will on. be my first official anchor. Yes, yes, the, I said 4.30 a.m. <laughs> there's, there's another 4.30? I didn't know there was a 4.30 a.m. <laughs> I'll never yeah, see you. A.M. A.M., not the P.M. I'll never see you, dang it. No, I, I wake Record up. Record it. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll set my DVR <laughs> for that. Um, and, and is it just you're going to be anchoring uh, just the news of the day with Rennie? Is that is that the plan? Correct. And I think, you know, we'll just kind of kick things off, maybe a little bit more lighthearted. It depends on, obviously, the news of the day. But really just to get things going and then... Rennie and Allie, Corey will kick everything off from five to seven, which I'll still do traffic during that time. I've also been doing a lot of the context behind the coronavirus and, you know, the COVID-19. That's kind of dying down a little bit. Good thing with the numbers. So um, you might see me doing some special features. Um, I really love to do the, the stories making a difference and you know, the positive stories, that is what I really am more into. Because people we, say they don't we like all need, news on. No, we all need that. We do, right? Yeah. Yes. So, so I want to do that because people say that they always come to me and my page for motivation. So we're looking to more into to doing that. And then my fitness segments are during Show Me St. Louis now on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Wow, fantastic. Well, mm -hmm. you are you are a St. Louis native, grew up in a Florissant um, area. Uh, so just I real did. quick uh, about your family. Your mom, I, I guess you had her on uh, Channel 5 doing planks and push-ups or whatever. Uh, God bless her. Was she, was she kind of instrumental in you getting into fitness at a, at a, as a little girl? Yeah, you know, I look back uh, growing up in the 70s, I was watching my mother, and I used to always ask her, I'm like, what was that thing? She used to tie this thing onto the knob of a door, and it would be like, I guess it's more like Pilates or what we do today. And it was very similar to that, so it had these bands that she would move and lay back and forth and move with her wrist and her ankles. Um, and it was for her core back then. And I was like, gosh, I mean, I just, I was enamored as a little girl to watch her do this day in and day out and always be healthy, eat healthy. So she was my greatest role model. Wow. She is definitely the reason I am the woman I am. And of course, uh, you know, the elderly are who's most at uh, risk with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Has she been staying home and she's safe? She's good? She has. She has. We didn't see each other for probably, well, uh, March 19th, we drove, oh, that was my birthday. And she's like, I definitely want to see you for your birthday. Aww. So we drove by. Uh, I stayed away from her, didn't get a chance to hug her, and she's a big hugger. You've known her for a long time. She loves to give hugs. She, it was just so hard for her. And so from March 19th until the middle of May, I, I didn't get a chance to see her. Oh, that's the was, worst. It was so difficult. We, you know, we talked a lot. We did a lot of Zoom calls. Right. Um, but then finally, we've gone over there. We were wearing our masks. But I just, 
she's so healthy. I mean, if you see her, she looks like she's probably in her 60s. And then in her mind, she's, you know, so very young. But she's, she's, I'm like, Mom, you have to understand, you really are 82. Even though you don't look it, you've got to be careful. <laughs> right. So we make sure that she's staying at home, even though she's a social butterfly. <laughs> well, we're talking with Monica Adams from Channel 5 and uh, a longtime friend of mine. Uh, great supporter of any animal uh, uh, organization <laughs> out there. Of course, uh, uh, leukemia. And Lymphoma Society, uh, the American Lung Association, Responder Rescue is mentioned in her bio. Uh, she's also a cop's wife. And uh, not yes. to get into any headlines, but uh, is your husband doing yes. okay? Is uh, what's his he mindset? Is. Because I th- I see the headlines and I think I'm I'm just a, a radio guy. I don't know how these uh, these officers are putting their boots on every day and going and loving the community that they're serving. I just don't. I don't know. They're a better man. But is he is he doing okay? He is, and I, I appreciate you asking. We've, you know, I've gotten texts almost daily because people are, you know, worried, and not just worried for him, but you have to think of the family members, the husbands, the wives, their sons, the daughters, yeah. the mothers, the fathers. It, it's rough because, you know, you send them off and you hope they come back. And my husband is one of the good ones. He's been doing this for over 30 years. Uh, he worked in Shrewsbury in his first four years, and he's been with the county for what, 27, I guess. Um, and he puts on that badge because he truly wants to serve and protect. And you know what? He not only wants to lead the community and take care of the community, but he's very big on the ones that are that are the up-and-coming young officers and teaching them the right way. So I'm yeah. very proud of the work he does. Well, and, and I'm, I'm proud to know you both, and uh, please give him my best. And uh, uh, my wife and I keep him, uh, keep all law enforcement in our prayers every night. Most of these people that are that are putting the badge on and getting suited up to go into work every day and then doing extra, you know, uh, the secondary work and all this stuff, they're they're doing it for the the reasons of the oath that they they promised. So my best to uh, to you and your husband and um, and congratulations on the new anchor position starting <laughs> on June 29th. Monica Adams, I won't be watching 4:30 in the morning. <laughs> All of you, just record it, or I'll take some clips and I'll put it on my Facebook page. You got to do that if you want me to see it. No, no, no. It's always great to talk to you, Monica. We will, we will check in. This is our six month of review. We'll, we'll, we'll get with you in another six months, and we'll have you on again. <laughs> Sounds good. Coming up in the next hour, we are going to talk to a Seattle, Washington resident. Of course, we've all been seeing the headlines. We've been watching network news to to see what's going on. And this person says it's a whole lot different than what the national news is showing and what is really going on and what their goals really are. That is coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and, you know, we've all seen the headlines coming out of Seattle and the CHOP zone, the CHAZ zone, whatever they're calling it now. I have an uncle. I have uh, family members that live in the Seattle area, so I reached out to my Uncle Dave, and we were talking, and I was making sure, you know, he was safe and he was doing okay and uh, everything was going great, and we started talking about what's going on in Seattle in this uh, autonomous zone. And he, he said, you know what, I'm going to just stop the conversation right there because I want you to talk to a friend of mine that I've uh, been friends with for 32 years. Her name is Yvette. She is a uh, she owns a real estate company in the Seattle area. She is a black American in an interracial marriage of 31 years. And uh, I understand this is your anniversary. So happy anniversary to you, Yvette. Thank you very much. <laughs> you are the mom of three uh, beautiful boys. Uh, well, men now. How, how old are your kids? 34, Whoa. 30, 27. Not boys. They are, they're grown men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, 
that's why it's important to me, yeah. So, so Yvette and I have been texting back and forth with the opportunity that we wanted to work out to where we could have this conversation because I think uh, when we all get frightened of the headlines that you know is pushed into our face from the news agencies, so many people that I talked to were just like, what is going on? What is the future going to hold? How do we get past this? How do we fix this? You know, you hear defund the police. You hear all these all these different things. And so in the texting that we've been doing back and forth, we've talked about uh, Black Lives Matter and what, what that means. And I believe Yvette has a great way to explain that. And Yvette, you say you, your scenario for what the difference is between All Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter. The one that I described to you was actually a burning house, which I said was all lives do matter, except our house is on fire right now. And so we need help to extinguish our fire. But certainly if your house was on fire, we would be the first to come help you guys right. to put your fire out. I, I, I love the way you explain that. So you're in, you're in the, uh, in the general Seattle area, but you're a realtor. So you're all over the place. Have you been I'm down? Have you been down to the chop area that they're calling it now? I have. I've driven there. My son lives there. He attends. He's done several marches with chop. You know, people are talking about the businesses. They're not doing well and people can't get to the businesses. And you know what? The businesses are thriving. Can you imagine if you were just in COVID and you had to rely on takeout? And even though you could open back up slowly. Sure. Who, who wants to go? Right, right. Like, We're all yeah. going through that. Yep. Right. So you have these protesters that are, it's very well organized as far as face masks, tables with hand sanitizer. Um, we have medical people that are on the ground that are working um, in case something happens. We're, even though it doesn't appear to be, what we ask is that people, if they're going to march, march in groups of people that you already know. Right. So that you can try and social distance yourself from others. But so as far as the businesses go, all these people are buying food from all these establishments. Because within CHOP, there are a lot of restaurants there and so and or nightclubs. So people are able to take takeout food. They, the Cal Anderson Park is nearby. People can sit. They can have conversations. They can eat food. The, you know, so everything that's portrayed on TV is really bad. Sometimes we have a bad actor that tries to infiltrate and they're like, well, the police aren't responding. Well, the police didn't respond when I had two car thefts in parking garages down there. It's just like call the police department and do an incident report. I mean, for petty theft or anything like that, which is actually not going on down there right now, but I just saw reports about the police are not responding. If there's something that's life-threatening or there's a medical emergency, fire trucks can get through, the ambulance can get through. We're not trying to keep the police out. We just want funds diverted so that the mentally ill can get taken care of. So that's you and I were talking about defunding the police, that term defunding the police. You say yeah. that doesn't mean abolish the police. You don't want to get rid of the police. You just want to reform no. the police. You want to, you want a better response. You want more sensitive cases to be handled in the appropriate way with more people with more training or better training or appropriate training. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the police officers, they're putting in tons of overtime dealing with issues that one, they're not equipped to deal with, sure. nor should they have to deal with them. You know, I mean, 
if you've got something going on that there's an actual robbery taking place and you're occupied trying to get a homeless guy off the street um, or dealing with a mentally ill person, right. it's actually taking away from other citizens. I mean, we need to have more facilities to help people. We're talking with a vet who owns a real estate company in the Seattle area. What do you what do you say to the difference between racism and prejudice? Is there is there a difference to you in your mind? Racism, I think, does have a hate to it. Of course. Right? Yep. Um and so I like to distinguish between even sometimes with people. People can say racist statements. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they're racist. But then there are other people that are truly racist. I would put the Proud Boys in there. I, I mean, not to name names, the white supremacy. I mean, their whole goal is hate. Um, but it's a small fraction, we would hope, correct? Right, we would hope. So, But I think everybody has prejudices on things that they don't know. Right. And so I think that's where the problem comes because no one's willing to talk about it to get educated. And even... I'm finding with my conversations I'm having with certain people, even though I'm educating them and I, you know, and they're arguing back kind of like this chop thing, I've gotten several arguments and they're just keep going on. I see the pictures in the media. I see this. And my final answer to them is, you know, why don't you just get on a plane and come see for yourself? Right, right. I mean, because after a while, there's no use in arguing with someone who doesn't want to learn. So you've been at some of the demonstrations. It's a Capitol Hill occupied uh, protest. Uh, protest. Okay. Um, the goal, the, the, the goals that they're wanting in the short term, what do you believe are? My main goal, and I think our biggest goal is we need to have them, I mean, with reforming or reallocating funds for other services. I did see a, a piece from Candace Owen, and I don't know if you're familiar with Candace. Um, yeah, and yeah, we should not probably talk about that. Okay. You haven't seen the Dave Chappelle show, so I will, I mean, I... So here's what I will say before you finish Candace Owens. I could have been a Candace Owens. Right. All my friends are white. I'm married to a white guy. I mean, I could be candace owens i am not candace owens because i did not abandon who i am to for the almighty dollar we talked about the dollar earlier and i don't think she's a genuine person although to me that's a form of racism when they tout candace owens and i'm sorry but that's just my feeling well no i i was just gonna i was gonna take one statistic that she talked about in 2019 uh 17 uh, violent white criminals were shot by the police and nine violent black criminals were shot by the police. That's not a true statistic. It's not a true statistic. No. And so, well, I'm not defending her at all. I'm just, I'm just telling you what I saw. No, I understand. And so I think with everything, you know, versus hearing me say something or a Candace Owens say something, or MSNBC, Fox News, BBC, whoever it is, I think as Americans, we owe it to ourselves to do research and fact-checked on our own. Well, you have made that point very clear, and I I will do that because uh, it's kind of like when we were all going through just the coronavirus. Before any of this started up, we were, you know, the, you know, do you wear masks? Do you not wear masks? Do you wear gloves? Do you not wear, everybody's just looking for answers. And that's why, you know, maybe 
people are, you know, gullible. Okay, I'll wear a mask everywhere I go because they, you know, the CDC says I should. I think we just want answers and nobody knows exactly where we can get it. But the most important part, Yvette, is that we're having the conversation right now and it seems civilly on my end. Oh, I'm civil. Oh, no. Until I brought up Candace Owens. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I do have have triggers. (laughs) No, Yvette, I will tell you, I I appreciate uh, all the volunteerism you're doing in the Seattle area. And, uh, and I appreciate this phone call. Um, and I, I just, I, I will pray for your safety and your health because, uh, I I would love to be invited to your 50th wedding anniversary someday. How about that? Well, that would be nice. If you ever come visit your uncle Dave, (laughs) you are more than welcome to you know, stop by. Okay. That sounds great. Well, thank you very much for your time, Yvette. Thank you. Well, stick around. There's a great book out called Beyond the Mask and ironically has nothing to do with you shopping with a mask on at the big box store. No, Brian Walsh has an inspiring story that has uh, changed the trajectory of his life and his story could change yours. It is all coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and I thank you so much for joining me on this part of the uh, show. You know, I, I love to read, and I've, I've only really, I hate to say this, I've only been reading for the last uh, 15 years or so, because in school, I didn't like to read. But as an adult, I uh, started my reading career with a book called um, The Shack. That was a very powerful book to me, and from that point, I just consume, 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 and I I read as many books as I possibly can. Have not read a book called Beyond the Mask, but uh, not yet anyway, but I do have the author as my special guest. Minutes before Brian Walsh, then he was just a teenager, heard his beeper go off. That'll give you an idea of how long ago that was, just by the the term beeper, Uh, but it called him to help put out another fire. He was on top of the world an hour later after a freak flashover and confusion that sent the uh, junior firefighter into the inferno against regulations. Brian had suffered such profound burns to his face that he was unidentifiable to his fellow firefighters, and nearly everyone expected him to die that night, but he did not, and he is on KMOX right now. Brian, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Bo. Thank you very much for having me on. Glad to be with uh, you and your listeners in St. Louis. Thank you so much. You know, it, it seems like people, you know, with the quarantine and everybody's, you know, at, at home, I think people that are reading or discovering reading, um, they're they're looking for things that can help. Uh, uh, just before uh, we started this conversation off air, we uh, we talked about um, In Awe, John O'Leary, uh, who has a kind of a similar story in, in that he had a, a fire accident when he was nine years old. But he turned out to be a motivational speaker, and you have done that as well. How did that event put you on this path you're on now? Well, I think what you'll find, uh, and that's pretty much what I lay out on the in the book, is you know I think whenever something happens to anyone, um, you have decisions to make. Yeah. Um, some tougher than others, um, and I think as I went through my recovery, uh, it was just a uh, a tenacity, a resiliency, uh, you know, I know that's what it was now. I think as you're going through it, you don't recognize it as that. I'm sure. Um, so, you know, writing the book so many years later, um, gave me a great, a much greater perspective of what it was that got me through it, what it was that, um, 
basically made me say, hey, uh, I got a life to live. I, I, it's worth living and uh, moving on. Um, so, uh, you know, when I when I read the wrote the book, um, it was about how can I help as many people as I can with my story. Um, so it was with that in mind that I wanted to write it. And I think it came out, uh, you know, to, to be some, some very valuable lessons for people. And Brian, would you say, well, as a young man, as a teenager, you were a volunteer firefighter and your path and your heart, you wanted to be a firefighter. Like when, when you ask a little one, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and you were probably the kid that said, I want to be a firefighter. And, <laughs> and, and so your trajectory you thought was to be a firefighter for life, right? Yes, that's correct. I, uh, actually, even after the fire, uh, I, I went back into the volunteer service and obviously not, not allowed to be in a, in a burning building again. Right. I, I drove, uh, uh, drove the fire engine for a while, uh, with the guys and then, uh, went to school at uh, Memphis state for uh, fire administration wow. and really assumed, uh, I would, I would get a job with FEMA. Uh, that was my ultimate goal. Um, and, uh, you know, we took a, a curious turn with, uh, awaiting word from FEMA to, uh, getting a job as an intern with an insurance company and then stayed in that field and in the financial planning field the rest of my life. Unbelievable. Um, though I think it's just like anything else when it's in your blood, it's in your blood. There's right. not a whole lot you can do about it. And, I would tell you, if you asked my wife and kids, if I had the opportunity to go in a burning building and as an active firefighter, I'd, I would do it. Yeah, that's crazy. My uh, my dad is 76 and uh, 47 years with the Air Force. He's waiting for uh, the president to call him uh, to call him up to to uh, serve again, and he would do it. He would do it at 76 <laughs> years old. Um, God bless him. Tell me, at what point did somebody say to you, man, you need to write a book about this? Yeah, so it was kind of interesting. Um I had a, a friend of mine, a colleague in the financial planning business. Um, he said to me, you, you really need to write a book about this. You have a, a great story to tell. It'll help many people. You're a survivor. This, is back in the, this was back in the early 2000s. I was like, well, I, I got to tell you, I never really thought it was that great a story, to be honest with you. Um, I just went about my life, and I didn't really recognize that there was anything uh, special or superhuman about it. I still don't. Um, and, uh, you know, I put it off and then I, he convinced me to, to talk. I'd spoken New Orleans, uh, in 2005, right before the hurricane to 9,000 people. And, um, then it was again, you know, I should write a book. I should write a book. I should write a book. <laughs> and I still didn't do it. And, um, <laughs> your, your mind was saying no. And God was saying, I don't think you're uh, getting my message here yet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and then we, what makes the book really good, I think and at the end of the day is I had that intervening, um, 12, 13 year period from Oh five till now where a lot of stuff happened in my life. A lot of stuff happened with my children. Um, uh, my, my, my wife and I lost three of our parents in this inside a 92 day period mm, oh my. inside that 92 day period. The guy who saved my life in the fire also passed away. Mm. So there's some, there was, there was a reason I waited till now. My daughter named the book a year ago, Beyond the Mask. And now with all this COVID, people having to wear masks, it's kind of a little appropriate at this point that, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
kind of seems like it was all ended up at the right time. Isn't that crazy how the planets line up? We're talking with Brian Walsh. He was a volunteer firefighter when he had a, a bad accident and uh, not expected to survive, but man, did he ever. And with a story. So, so, um, a friend of mine, uh, who was attacked and stabbed several times in his, you know, in his facial area, went into this very dark depression because he thought to himself, I'm never going to, I'm never going to, you know, meet a woman. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have kids. This aloneness that uh, goes along with uh, something like this. And uh, he was at a grocery store and he rounded the corner of the grocery store and his cart bumped into somebody else. And he looked up and couldn't recognize if he was looking at a man or a woman because they were a burn victim. And that person said to him, he's got all these scars on his face. Dude, what happened to you? And and it was it was life changing for him. He realized that everybody does have their own story, and that you can persevere, which you have certainly done. Uh, do you continue your uh, your well during the COVID? Nobody's doing anything, but are you still like doing motivational type things? Yeah, I've actually done a couple on uh, via uh, Zoom meetings, of course. Um, so they're a little different, obviously, but um, you know. And I think what a lot of people will find out through this is you do need personal interaction. You do need to see people's expressions and body language. And it's an important part of our communication skills. I've really told people I'm smiling under this mask. I have sent that out, you know, through my mask at the grocery store. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll, I, it's just we do. We take so many uh, uh, cues from people's expressions and it's so hard to do that with these masks on. And with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, when these when these masks come off for good, what do you hope people will have learned from this crisis since you've been through what you've been through? Well, I'll tell you, I know I was joking around with a buddy of mine. I said, boy, I never thought I'd have to walk outside of my house with a mask again. I, I wore a Job's mask for um, two, two years, oh my. Uh, 23 hours a day. I was able to take it off to eat and bathe. That was it. And, um, you know, obviously that's a very shocking thing for people to see. And, and that's probably why you don't see many burn victims is that most become very reclusive and, sure. um, God forbid, you know, you, you go out in a mask, but you know, the title of the book comes from beyond that, right? Like where, where, what has happened? What is really beyond that mask? And, and everybody wearing a mask today you can hardly recognize people because all you see are their eyes, right? Absolutely, yep. And uh, they're inadvertently hiding behind some mask now, right? And uh, what I hope comes out of this is that people have a better understanding that uh, people have hearts and that's what you should be seeking, um, not predominantly what they look like Beautiful or what said. they can do for you. Absolutely. Um, but hopefully we all come out of this better, uh, uh, with better hearts and, and a better outlook on the human population and um i'll tell you you can solve a lot of problems with with a big heart and a lot of love and a smile give me a smile at the grocery store for crying out loud right be happy to be there (laughs) exactly (laughs) be present tell me about how your your you said your daughter titled the book she did we we were going through various titles with the publisher and and um um you know she she just turned to me and she said why wouldn't you just use beyond the mask you wore that for two two now obviously she didn't know me then but uh, she said you wore that for two years of your life and that's really what you got past uh you you got past it wearing a mask so why don't you just say beyond the mask and i was like you know that's really a cool cool title out of the mouths of babes right 
Yeah, that's absolutely. Fan, that's fantastic. So it's, it's got to be, and I haven't read it yet, but I will. Uh, it's got to be an inspiring story. And, you know, so many people, I mean, I personally, I'll be honest with you, Brian, I've had, you know, bouts of depression through this COVID-19 coronavirus just because the unknown and then all the headlines that we see in Atlanta and Seattle and everything else that's going on in Minnesota. Um, your book can can help inspire is, is what I'm getting. What, what do you hope is the biggest takeaway from the book for anybody that's going to pick up Beyond the Mask? I hope that uh, what what somebody takes away from this is life is worth living at any cost. There is nothing that can happen to you or your family that life is not worth living. And you can make an impact. And you should find your passion and make the impact there. Um, easier said than done, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, none of this was easy. I will tell you, first-hand experience uh, – from from going to a burnt beyond recognition face to thinking, oh geez, I'll just be, I'll just look like I I used to when they're right. done the operations to the realization that, boy, I'll I'll never look the same. And and quite frankly, uh, even today, if I'm walking out somewhere, people do stare, sure, um, sure. and it's a natural thing, and I I get it. Um, but you know, go on, do the best that you can. And uh, always stay hopeful, always stay hopeful and, and joyful and always have a lot of gratitude. Um, I think the planets have lined up in a lot of ways for you on this book, the release of it and everything. Um, Brian, tell me, tell me where people can uh, get it. Can they get it on Amazon or how do they go absolutely. about it? Any, any of their favorite vendors they get to and they can get to all those vendors through my website, which is brianpatrickwalsh.com. And um, Again, uh, I thank you so much for having me, and uh, nice to, to be able to speak to the people of the great city of St. Louis. Thank you so much. And and so now you're an author. You didn't even think you were going to be an author, author Brian. Are you thinking Never of book? Did. Are you thinking of book number two already? or Are you done with it? <laughs> well, as I, as I like, I do have a great sense of humor, and I will tell you, I think a sense of humor can get you through almost anything. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked me, "So you finish your first book? What are you going to do?" I said, "Now I'm going to read another one." <laughs> 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 that's great that's great all right brian thank you so much and uh stay safe and good luck to you in the future and if you ever write another book you better get a hold of me i absolutely will bo and i appreciate again the time that uh, you spent with me today so in 1988 when i arrived in st louis to uh, work on the radio i realized that the best way to learn this city is to uh, take every opportunity to go to any grand opening or any remote uh, go to any concert any concert venue because not only do you get to see the wonderful little burbs of this area in the metro in the both sides of the river you get to meet the people and one of the uh, families that i got to meet many years ago have turned out to be great friends and it's a they may you may not know their their name but you definitely know what company they are with Coming up next, we've got a bow on the go stop on the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Happy Father's Day weekend. My name is Bo Matthews. You know, just going back into my memory bank of favorite memories as a kid, uh, your favorite toy. I remember my dad got me walkie-talkies. That was amazing. Uh, my first remote control vehicle. Heck, even as an adult, I still love remote control vehicles and remote control things. Matter of fact, I'm about ready to pull the trigger on buying a remote control floating 
alligator head. So it looks like an alligator in your pool or your pond or whatever. And I just think that that's, uh, that's so fun. The other constant in my childhood was Bigfoot, the monster truck. And I just absolutely was fascinated by this thing and how high it could jump and things that it could crush. It was amazing. And fast forward to my adult years here in St. Louis, I end up becoming friends with the family, the Chandler family that started Bigfoot so many years ago. And of course, they were up in North County for the longest time. And a few years back, they moved out to Pacific. And so we have a bow on the go stop with uh, with the family of Bigfoot. They were on the show a while back. But here is a, a visit on the spot in Pacific, Missouri with Bo on the go. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. It's the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews and wanted to check in on a a true mom and pop business in St. Louis to see how they were doing. And uh, as I was thinking about that, I get an email that they've got big news to share. So uh, if you remember uh, listening to my show a few months back, we had the whole entourage from the Bigfoot family um, in to the studio. Well, I've, I'm standing along Interstate 44. I got Ann and Bob Trent. And you're actually the C- What is your title? I don't know. You're president and ceo you dang right uh female owned company yes yes uh, world uh, world uh, wide brand um and her husband bob your title is uh, vice president and ceo okay something like that yeah. um in and amongst all your meetings which you know you guys are usually traveling you've got you know you should be in vegas this week uh doing licensing deals but that's all everything's virtual this world is upside down first and foremost is everybody good and healthy Luckily, yes, everybody's doing great. Thank God. Okay, and uh, and uh, your your parents, Bob and Marilyn, uh, they're they're up here. Are they traveling? What are they doing? They're actually up here in St. Louis. They've most, mostly been staying home. They've been trying to be extra careful. Okay. Well, I've been, I've, you know, when you think about, you know, these mom and pop companies that are just having a heck of a time struggling to, you know, keep it, keep doors open and stuff. Uh, what have you been doing during this uh, coronavirus time? Even before we get to the anarchy of the headlines, what, what, how how's business been for you guys? Of course, the shows. Uh... Um, our last event was March twentieth. Okay. Um, and then pretty much nothing. Um, so we more or less told the drivers, go visit your families if you'd like, because you got the next couple months off at least. Um, then luckily we were able to apply for the PPP plan and be able to take advantage of that program and get some of that federal aid. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. And, uh, and and like, how many employees does Bigfoot uh, have? <laughs> we're about at 18 or 19 right now. Okay, it fluctuates that's a little. Drivers, mechanics, uh, fabricators, everybody. Marketing, right? the, marketing everybody. the whole shot. That's yeah, everybody. Yeah. Uh, so where was that last event that you guys held? Do you remember? Well, actually, we just did an event last weekend in Kalispell, Montana, which was our first one since we got back. And then we actually sent uh, Paul of Famer Dan Runty down to drive, which is a pretty cool experience. And then we have uh, two displays this weekend in Michigan, one in Baraga and one in Escanaba. So it's starting to come back around a little bit. Little by little. But you guys had this great partnership with Hot Wheels. Um, and that started, what, a year ago? Is that what it was? Uh, they, they wanted to license your trucks uh, for toys, right? Yeah, that actually was about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now. And then we also have the Hot Wheels Monster Trucks live event, the live event thing, which that started last January. And that added a whole bunch of shows specifically for Hot Wheels brand, right? They, they were in maybe cities you guys hadn't been to or very often. Uh, that partnership's going good, too? It's going great when we get back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out, what do we do with the kids? You know, they've been home for so long. Uh, have your have your radio control, uh, remote control vehicles uh, spiked in, in sales? 
I think everything spiked a little bit in sales. And like over the last four years with the Traxxas trucks, and they're a, a, a hobby grade trucks, so they're not very cheap. We've done over 50,000 of those. Good for you. The toys last year in general, I think, what we do over a million. Just right under a million total quantity. A mom and pop company based out of the St. Louis area in Pacific, and, I, and that's really what I want to get to. That's why I wanted to come out. We're standing along Interstate 44, and you guys moved in what year from uh, Lindbergh and 270? I think this is our fifth summer down here, is it not? I think, yeah. I think so. Every time I think about that, I can never remember the exact year. Time's going faster as we're getting older. <laughs> well, that does happen. But Pacific has welcomed you guys in with open arms, even to the point where, um, you know, you can, you know, families go on family vacation. They jump in the, the minivan or whatever, and they head down the road looking for the world's largest ball of twine. Well, now Pacific is officially making you part of the community right on the interstate. When people are traveling 44 now, they're going to see something stand out in Pacific and uh, tell me what people can do out here. Yeah, actually, we have a, a plaza in Pacific, Missouri, right next to City, City Hall. Hall. They're called the Bigfoot Plaza, and we actually have Bigfoot number 10 sitting there as a permanent display that you can actually walk up, take pictures with, have lunch. You could actually visit the grocery store across the street, buy some Bigfoot product, actually come down and visit us and buy product. It's going to be really, really cool, and maybe every now and then you'll see Bob Chandler up there. Way more exciting than uh, the world's largest ball of twine. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. You're right up there with the skillet. (laughs) (laughs) The world's largest rocking chair. I just think it makes sense because, of course, you know, the people, you know, a lot of people that travel through St. Louis to get from west to east or east to west, they may not have made it up 270 to Lindbergh to understand. There's been many people that have reached out and said, I didn't know Bigfoot was on display up here. I'm like, oh, this is the home of, well, now Pacific is your home. And again, the city, you guys have been working on this idea for a while. Yeah, it started about four years ago. We brought it to the Tourism Commission and said, hey, what did you guys think about us putting a truck up here? And it turned from just putting a truck there um, to an entire park. It's got benches. It's got landscaping. It's it's really cool. Concrete walk-up side. I mean, beautiful. The, the landscaping is fantastic. And uh, and it's an action shot. The truck is in an action shot. It looks like it's jumping. Yeah, the front end's sitting up in the air. It's actually it's cool. You just have to stop by and see it. Okay, now the, the one Bigfoot with the 10-foot tall tires, is that still at the restaurant? Yeah, it's right across the street, actually, from City Hall. So when you're at the plaza, if you look towards the city, you'll see it sitting right there. And if you look another block behind there, you'll see our building. So it's like Bigfootville. Pacific. You know, I think we should uh, put that on the ballot to change the name of Pacific to Bigfootville. I like that. Well, uh, my best to you and your family, and congratulations on this exciting news, because now everybody that's on 44 is going to see Bigfoot. Finally, the world-famous, the original Monster Truck Bigfoot. Congratulations, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us, Oppo. We appreciate it. All right. So next time you're headed out 44, pull off at the Pacific exit number, do we know? 256, I believe. Okay. Make sure you pull off. Look for the big blue truck and pull off. That's pretty (laughs) much. Well, there is your bow on the go stop out west of the St. Louis metro area. Stick around. Coming up, we are going to check in with my dad. Hey, it's Father's Day weekend. Why not? It's next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. You know, I I moved to St. Louis in 1988 to be closer to my dad because my dad was oftentimes around the world with the Air Force. He he did 47 years with the Air Force uh, proudly. They called him uh, Mr. Anti-Terrorism. 
And as a, as a young man, uh, when I was growing up, I just remember my dad being gone a lot. And so I missed him a lot. I remember watching the TV show MASH and, and picturing my dad in Korea and, and my dad in that kind of setting. I have no idea if it, if it matched up at all. The other uh, image that I have in my mind is uh, the movie Officer and a Gentleman. If you remember that, that was a military base right next to a little small town. Well, that was kind of where my dad met my mom in Chandler, Minnesota. Uh, the air base uh, was you know, really tiny, and they met and fell in love there, and that's where the story began. And so since it's Father's Day, I wanted to reach out to my dad. He's 76 years old. Dad, I just want to wish you a happy Father's Day. How are you? Fine. Thank you so much. I appreciate the, the chance to get on the air with you. Uh, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day, too. Thank you. Uh, it's been a long, long journey, I'll tell you that. Just in the last week, I shared earlier in the show, I was so shocked. You've been building a patio off the back of your house. And I thought to myself, why doesn't this man have power tools? Because I heard you cutting wood. You were cutting lumber with a, a manual saw, like, zhut, zhut, zhut. And I thought, what are you doing? Do you not have a power saw? Because I, I could send you one for Father's Day. No, I got three power saws. But sometimes when the work is very close, it has to be fine cut uh, because the big saws make mistakes, too. Um, that's why I use a handsaw. But it all worked good. I'm very happy with it. Um, I have a lot of memories sitting out there. Uh, Reflecting back in my father's days that I never had you around when I was overseas, I can tell you that that's probably the hardest time for any military person to have any holiday or any father's day alone. You sit in the mess hall with three or four guys sitting around and everybody's got the same look on their face like, geez, why am I here? Why right. I I was home? But, you know, when you got a mission to do, you got to do the mission and uh, everything else gets pushed back. And I want to tell you what happened yesterday. This is really funny that you called me about Father's Day. I was in my basement looking for a tool, and I find this little plaque that you had handmade me from school when you were in school. It was when I made Tech Sergeant. And um, it really took me back in time, and I really had some real, real emotional moments when I picked it up and held it. Uh, because that's special memories of you, because that was your hard labor and love. And uh, it stays like those when, you know, you never forget uh, where you've been and what you're doing. And I've seen it many, many times, but I just happened to go down to my basement yesterday and there it was sitting. That is crazy. Okay, well, uh, the small town that you met mom in was Chandler, Minnesota, and uh, and yes. you got, you got uh, married. And then uh, you and uh, mom and uh, my sister Jody, you guys went off to Japan. You were stationed there for a while. And I've mentioned several times that I was born in, in, at Masao Air Force Base, Japan. But do you remember the expression or the feeling you had when mom said she was pregnant again and it was with me? I did. I was joyful because she had just got over there. And, um, you know, it wasn't, it was nine months later that, that you showed up. Uh, <laughs> but you were. You were never a baby, though. You were nine pounds, six ounces, and uh, you looked like you were ready to have a steak and a, a malt shake. <laughs> uh, I wasn't there. In fact, the, the day you were born, I was um, in the NCO leadership school down in um, in Tokyo. So I had to come back to see my boy. And wow. when I seen him, he was sitting at the table having a steak. <laughs> well, I, don't, I certainly don't remember that. I don't remember Japan at all. But I do remember the Philippines. And one of my earliest memories, and you and I were talking about this the other night, uh, about our, our, our earliest memories as, as kids. And you said your earliest memory was like two and a half years old. 
uh, growing up in Miami, you were, you, would you say you traced the raindrops on the window? Is that, that is that Correct. right? No, I would, I would stand in my crib and, and I would catch, try and catch the raindrops through the window when they were coming down the window. So my memory goes back really good, but don't ask me what happened yesterday. Cause, uh, it's not <laughs> <different>. <laughs> well, one of my earliest memories, if you remember, was a Clark air force base in the Philippines, Clark air force base. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Uh, now. Uh, right. Uh, but I remember you had a motorcycle and that's where I got the bug. When I was uh, like three years old, you put me on the gas tank and we went for a ride. I remember you taking me out to this farm, uh, that you wanted to introduce me to the family or something. We were headed out there and you dumped the motorcycle in the sand because the no roads are paved in the Philippines. That is one of the earliest memories. But from that memory, you told me, don't ever tell your mom that we had a, a motorcycle accident. Yeah, that, I remember that very vividly because um, I was panicked. I really, really panicked. And, and I, I've and kept... then I ended up teaching motorcycle safety. Get that one. Right. <laughs> well, and I I do remember that, and I did hold that secret uh, to this day. I've held that secret about uh, you saying, don't ever tell your mom this happened. Here we are, both adults, and I just wanted to, to reach out to you and uh, thank you for the awesome memories. I'm sorry we're not together on this Father's Day, but... Uh, Dad, you've been my hero all my life, and I've always wanted to be like you. And uh, I just, I just love you. Thank you. I love you too. And um, I can tell you that every time I get a Father's Day card for you, it's so easy to pick out because everything in those cards are so true about you. You're professional. You're caring. You're loving. Uh, you're just the best son. And plus, you call me every day to make sure that I'm still, uh, still alive. So that helps. <laughs> well, but, um, I, I, I really I... enjoy your phone calls. Um, that's very meaningful and. Uh, and uh, I appreciate everything you've done for me. Well, so have a great Father's Day. I love you. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again tomorrow. Uh, you know we will. You know we will. Happy Father's Day, Dad. That is, uh, that is my Thanks. dad, my hero. And that is going to wrap it up for me. My name is Bo Matthews. I hope you have a wonderful Father's Day weekend. This is the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. I'll talk to you next week.